My name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! (laughs) Hello again, my beautiful Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queen! The podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 133, and tonight, another Friday the 13th is on the calendar, which can only mean one thing. It is time for the next installment of my Friday the 13th Spectacular! Which means I'll be talking about the next film in the series, which means we are up to... 
Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, which we all know it really wasn't. But we also know it's time to play a promo for another super cool podcast. Are you addicted to hot sauce, mock water and barbecue, spicy foods, chili peppers, or buffalo wings? Oh, yeah! Well, have I got something for you. This is Scott Roberts, host of The Firecast, a foodie podcast that features the best of fiery foods and barbecue. So, whether you like cooking with fire or enjoy cuisine that feels like fire in your mouth, there's something in it for you. So, tune in to The Firecast at firecastpodcast.com and savor the bird. Hello, welcome back, everybody, my beautiful, beautiful screamers. How you doing? It's, it's as always, wonderful to be sitting down to talk to you again. Believe it or not, even though it's been really hard to record this episode because I've just been dreading it. It's been dreading it. Jason Goes to Hell, not one of my favorites, but I'm getting ahead of myself because I know you all want to know what's been going on at Scream Queen's headquarters since last we spoke. Well, let's see. Actually, not a lot, but I realized there was a couple of things I did not talk about on the last episode because I was so concerned about it being a mini-episode that I just kind of threw some fun things. I was very fortunate to be able to participate in a scavenger hunt. Yes, there's a group here in New York City called The Men Event, and it's run by this dude named Hugh Heisel. Hugh Heisel. And as sleazy as that sounds, they do all kinds of social networking and fun events and walking tours and things like that. But I took part in their gay scavenger hunt of the Museum of Modern Art. And it was tons and tons and tons of fun. So I have to give them big snaps up for that. Because, you know, we met at a bar and you get assigned to a team and then everybody drinks. And then you get a list of 30 questions or so of things to find or take a picture of. And you've got... 35 minutes to run like a crazy person through the Museum of Modern Art on a Friday, which is free night, which means it's super crowded, and it was insane, it was fun, it was a workout. I have to give snaps up to Steven Singerman, who was on my team, who was an animal. He was like a shark making his way through that crowd. It was really, really quite amazing. Even though we didn't win, we did very, very well. Damn you, Edgar Allan Poe. There's a question about what are the dimensions of Edgar Allan Poe, and we don't know what that meant, because we could not find the picture of Edgar Allan Poe. Nobody seemed to know where it was. So, you know what? Edgar Allan Poe. That's what I say. Edgar Allan Poe on you. But one of the questions, one of the things we had to find, we had to take a picture of a penis. Now, of course, everyone's first instance is like, okay, let's go to the men's room, take a picture of my wiener. No, 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 no. It had to be either, actually, we had to find two, one that was painted and one that was sculpted. Do you know how hard it was to find a penis in the Museum of Modern Art? I was shocked. I was shocked. I finally found both of them. <laughs> of course you did. It took a really long time. So it's a very lovely picture of me posing with the sculpted penis, which I'm sure I'll be posting on the website because I know you all want to see that. Making my little surprise face like, <gasps> ooh, like that. Very classy. But anyway, if you're in New York, do check out the men event. I think it's themenevent.com because they do a lot of really fun stuff and it was very reasonably, pr reasonably priced. I think it was $15, which is less than the admission to the museum anyway. And you get admission for the rest of the night on top of that. So it's pretty cool. But you just said it was free night, but ah ha, ha Sometimes they do this 24-hour thing. And that was one of those nights. You don't care. Do you care? You don't care. I know you don't care. You just like, get back to the penis. Okay, well, here we go. 
no, I'm not going back to the penis. I'm going back to something else because something horrible did happen. No, not like Sebastian Cat testicle fondling. Awful because I got so many angry emails and phone calls. I got a call from Doug Shapiro this morning. He said, Patrick, Mary, Elizabeth, Walsh, how could you? I was ready to start a kick funder campaign to help save Sebastian Kitty. I was going to go plant a tree in Israel in his memory, and it just turns out you were rubbing his balls. I'm like, that's what you call a dramatic twist. Twist. But this is actually really horrible. Now, I want you to picture this. I'm in the shower. So that's right. So you're picturing me nude right now. I'm nude. I'm wet. And I'm lathery. No, actually, when I'm in the shower, it's more like, la, 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 I am so great, la, 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 I sing a lot in the shower, and it's usually about how great I am, or about something like that. Whatever nonsense is running through my brain, which is pretty much the show, so you can imagine, put all this to music, and that's what's going on in my shower. But I noticed at a certain point that the water in the shower is now past my ankles. I said, okay, that's bad, so we have a clog. And I looked down, and there's this awful mass clogging up the drain. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I reached down into the wet, wet water. And I put my fingers into this gunk. And I pulled. And it just kept coming out and coming out. There was feet of this stuff. Just Oh, it was gross. And then I realized what it was. And I started screaming. And Bradford was pounding on the door going, what's the matter? And I was like, ah, go because as you remember, I had my cousin from Ireland and her girlfriend staying with me last week, so there was my drain was clogged with girl hair, and it was the grossest thing I have ever had in my... Well, maybe not. It's one of the top three grossest things I have ever had in my hand, because I kept pulling, and the more I pulled, the more hair came out of the drain. It was like this gigantic arachnid creature, and now I completely understand Japanese horror movies. Why they're so afraid of hair. Why in every single Japanese horror movie there's always hair coming out of the sink out of the ceiling out of the outlet like creeping up and strangling people I totally get it now I totally get it now I know I had sisters it's been a long time since I took a shower where my sister took a shower and I did and just the other day I was taking because it was like a week ago and then the other day I was taking a shower and I looked to my left and there was another big clot of it stuck between the the, the, the curtain the shower curtain and the plastic lining it was just like Arachnid, blah, 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 coming to get me is ah, girl hair! Ah! Now Bradford had enough trauma because he found a wrapper for a feminine product in the in the, in the garbage can next to the toilet bowl. So he was just like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, could you grow up? Try to be mature. Of course, he's like, well, I need to take out that garbage can. So I'm like, blah, 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 blah. so it's, we're very, very, you know, girls are gross. I mean, guys are hairy bastards, and we get hair everywhere. But at least it's not like. Seven feet long to clog the drain, okay? Guys with beards have hair everywhere. Everywhere. But at least it's a little short, curly. That's just gross. Never mind. We're just going to end this line of conversation right here. Something I wanted to talk about that happened around here that I thought was a lot of fun. First of all, I want to say happy birthday to one of our former Scream Queens of the Week. Actually, he won it as a duo. And I'm talking to my friend, Brendan, who's also my neighbor, him and his husband, Tony, they won it because they had started our neighborhood's first local gay hangout social group, for want of a better night. You know, it was once a week, 
at a bar on the corner, so it was good business for this bar, which wasn't doing very well, and it was nice to meet the neighbors while it lasted. The bar went out of business, and it never really picked up after that, but still, they're my neighbors, they're my friends, and Brendan turned 50 last week, so he had a big old party at uh, a restaurant here in town, and he had all kinds of fun people there. It was very interesting. And, you know, so there's food, there's like the free hors d'oeuvres, so that's where I'm chowing out because actors just are attracted to free food like you would, you know, it could be a pile of weak old pork rinds that it would, you know, I got nothing. It could be one of Chad from Boston's desserts that he's always posting, you know, with all the aspect and like tuna in it, even though it's a dessert. One of those would be like, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's free, but that's not the point. So I'm eating my free hors d'oeuvres and there's this couple sitting next to me, I don't know them, a man and a woman youngish, late 20s probably, I don't know, and the waitress brings over this platter of assorted shellfish, lobster, clams, shrimp, more lobster, I say platter, this thing was enormous, it was actually a three-tiered like a wedding cake of shellfish. It was enormous. It was so big. It was so big. I'm like, well, clearly she's not Jewish. But anyway, because it was all for her. Because then they brought something for him, and she's like, no, no, this is all for me. And I'm like, girl? Girl? That is a lot of food. Much less shellfish. Holy God, and I sat there and I watched this young lady eat every fucking piece of fish on this goddamn thing. And also, it was a nice icebreaker because, you know, I would had my cocktail at this point. And so I said, wow, I'm impressed because I also not just like food to be attractive, I like it to be architectural. And that's like a small building, like a family of 14. You could rent it as a condo, is what I'm saying. You could actually move in to this place. Of shellfish. And I sat there. And I watched the girl eat the whole thing. It took a long time. But Miss Thing did it. And was not shy about it either. And like, oh no, no, no. Oh, do you want some? Do you want? No, she's like, no, mine. Like biting people. No, that didn't happen. But but anyway. Of course, me being me, I have to exacerbate the situation. Now that I've had several cocktails at this point. Because like I said, this was a procedure. This took a very long time. And so I turned into Mommy Dearest and said, Young lady, you are not getting up from this table until that gigantic, looming tower of doom shrimp is clean. Lick it clean. Bring me another Manhattan. I got to know both of them over the evening. Both very funny, both very fun, and it turned out that not only was the young lady, not only did she have an enormous appetite, but she's the younger cousin of Mr. Tony, the husband of the birthday boy and former Scream Queen. And I said, well, you guys better be tuning in because Jeff, your wife Marjorie, is the next in the Torres line to win the coveted title of the Scream Queen of the Week! You know what? You know what? You know what? Just calm down, because you already got your reward. You ate that gigantic plate of shellfish. I don't know. Tower of shellfish. I don't know what even what they call it. The leading tower of 
iodine because I know if I had eaten that, I would have had diarrhea for days. I cannot eat that much shellfish. It's I can't. I could bleh, anyway. I'm like it's all cockroaches, but that's not the point. You did it, and that was awesome. And I had a great time hanging out with the both of you. And I promised. You would get an amazing award, a major award, if you listened and you just got it. But listen, the title, that's all you get. You might have heard from your cousin that there's a TR involved. He lied. He lied. There is a TR involved, but it's not for you. It's for me. All TRs are mine. And if he's pretending that he has a TR, he's either lying or he has one I have to come and confiscate. Because that simply will not do. Unacceptable. Is what I have to say. But anyway, congratulations. Marlene. Who's Marlene? Marjorie. Congratulations, Marjorie. Congratulations, Jeff. Because I'm, I, I, I'm sure you had to put up with something when you got home. You just can't eat that much food without some going on. I mean, either noise, the smells, or aromas. But you married it, so I guess you're used to it, right? Of course, right. Love, exciting, and new. Here's something I want to talk about. You know how a couple of episodes ago I did a mini non-spoiler review of It Follows? Well, I got to go to another screening put on by Fangoria, so it was semi-public. You know, the general public, not just press people. And I have to say, this audience hated it. Violently hated it. I really loved it, but watching it with them and I started to feel the wave of dislike. It was silent, but you could just feel the audience hating it as the movie was going on. And I'm like, wow, this is not going to go well. So I knew it was going to be divisive, 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 divisive. Let's call the whole thing off. But man, people did not like this movie at all. And I had to say, sitting in an audience, with people that were not liking it, started to change my opinion of it, and I, or influence my opinion of it. Actually, seeing it a second time, I was enjoying because I was noticing all these things I didn't notice before: extra layers to the symbolism, more characters that kept popping up. That as the, the you know, recognizing connections between what the thing was appearing as, as to other random characters, and it's just things like that. And so I'm thinking, this is a really clever movie. This audience hates it. I could feel the boredom starting to swell. Because, like I said, it is a slow burn, and there's not a huge payoff, so, uh, okay, I don't know. I, so, I recommend you see it anyway, because you need to support independent horror, okay? Especially if it's getting released wide, mainstream stuff. Because if you don't support it, even if you don't like it, if you don't give them their money, if you don't give them your money, I should say, they're not going to send more down the line. It'll just be more straight-to-video stuff that maybe you'll see, maybe you won't. Who knows? It'll get lost in that vast sea that I'm always talking about. Do you want that? No. You want to see your horror movies in fear. Or do you want to just see Platinum Dooms remakes of things they just remade five years ago? Remakes of remakes for the rest of your life. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? I don't think so. I mean, that's fine and everything, but you want new stuff. You want good stuff. So when it comes down the line, support it. Speaking of supporting, I hope you're voting over at www.podcastawards.com 
for Scream Queens for Best GLBT Podcast. I don't know why they don't call it Best G- LGBT Podcast, because that's what the rest of the world calls it, but I guess I should be happy they're not calling it the Best LGBTQIAA, whatever the rest of it is that they keep adding letters to so that it's just alphabet soup. Anyway, voting's still going. Once a day, every day, check your email and verify your vote, and then you're done till the next day. Make Daddy proud. I'm already proud. Part of the show. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, even though I may not know you. Trust me, you're tuning in, you're listening to good stuff, and you're getting good advice. And if you're listening to me, no matter what you think of yourself, you're a cool, cool writer. I want to see. O-O-L. R-I-D-E-R. So Bradford still lives here. Which is, it's, it's awkward, but we're getting along, I suppose. It's been eight months since we broke up. But, you know, I live for moments like this when he told me, well, he heard that I told you guys what he said to Tyne Daly when we met her at the theater last week, when he, he said, oh, I loved you ever since Starsky and Hutch, which, of course, she was not on. She was on Cagney and Lacey, but that's our Bradford, as I said then. And when I, he found I did that, and I said, well, it was just so embarrassing. He's like, well, I could not waste the opportunity of meeting her. You know, you should never look a ghost horse in the mouth. Um, okay. Okay, but this is the same man who once told the waitress that he would like his salad with Islamic vinaigrette. So, you know, it's, I understand dyslexia is a condition, and he's overcome it, and that's great, but when it pops up, it's hilarious! It just is. So there we are. I can't really think of anything else to talk about. So I guess it's time to begin the Friday the 13th Spectacular right after we play some really fun music. So get your hockey mask, get your giant worm, belt yourself into a chair, and shave your mustache for no apparent reason because it's time to start the show! My beautiful screamers, the time is here. Time has finally come to talk about the next installment in the Friday the 13th series. Because, as the calendar states, it's Friday, March 13th. Which means it's time for another Friday the 13th Spectacular!
probably wondering why on earth are you using the Alley Cat to introduce us? And I say, you know what? It's my spectacular. I can use whatever music I want. And anything that gets me through this movie will amuse me. Okay? Okay. Now, this is the first film in the franchise after New Line Cinema bought the rights to Jason from Paramount. And I'm going to say they bought the rights to Jason because they stopped calling them Friday the 13th films for a while. And it became more about Jason. And a lot of the history and a lot of the mythology that had already been set up, they kind of ignore or start new things. And that is the beginning of the problem. But first, let's take a listen to the trailer. Horror has many faces. Death wears many different masks. But pure evil wears only one. And this is your final chance to see it. to hell the final Friday so one of the things that separates my coverage of the Friday the 13th franchise is that I got to see all of these in the theater so normally there's a great story involved because you know in the earlier ones it was about sneaking in and scarring the other kids in my neighborhood and stuff like that and funny things that happened there's not much funny to report here because by 1989 I was in college so when this came out nobody and I mean nobody would go to see it with me and I went on opening night at nine o'clock to a completely empty theater and I sat there feeling like a pervo Being the only one in that theater, I could be sitting here nude if I wanted to be, but I'd probably get some sort of infection on my butt cheeks from these seats. So I'm not going to do that because, ew, and why did you even bring that up? So that's the story there. So already I'm bored talking about this, and I've been really struggling to talk about this movie. And it's not even that I hate it. I do. I appreciate what they tried to do. Now, I know a lot of people hate this movie because Jason's barely in it. Like, I don't want to see this body jumping nonsense, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind that. I didn't mind that, but I don't like the way it went. And we'll come back to that. But my main beef with it is that I just don't care about the townies of Crystal Lake. This has happened in some of the later films as well. I don't care about this weird trailer park community that has sprung up around Crystal Lake. I don't get it. I don't care. It seems really trashy and it's really gross and everybody there's kind of horrible. Like it seems next door, like if they had a worse vocabulary, it seems like Crystal Lake would be next door to Rob Zombie's Haddonfield because all they needed to drop F-bombs every minute and everyone would be about as gross. So I'm not happy with that. But, still, when I went in, hoping for a decent movie, not really, at the time, fully comprehending what the studio change would mean to the series, or what they tried to do here, I mean, aside from the body jumping, because, yes, Jason dies in the first ten minutes of the movie, and I actually really enjoyed this scene. There's a woman 
alone in the woods, and she's going to a, an isolated cabin by herself, and, you know, the light bulb burns out, and she has to fix it so it's dark, and it's scary, and then she takes a shower, and not surprisingly, Jason shows up, and she runs, and she runs, and she runs, and she runs, and all of a sudden, this floodlight's switching on, and there's army people popping out with guns, and bombs, and grenades, and lasers, and drones, and giant robots, and they blow the shit out of Jason, and he's dead. For real this time, he's in a million pieces. I know a lot of people are like, well, that isn't stupid, you know, like, if she was, it turns out this girl is a federal agent, like, if she was a federal agent... You know, why is she being so stupid going... I'm, she was bait. You don't get that? She was bait. This is the kind of thing that attracts Jason, young woman. Alone, nude. Let's go get her. And I liked that the federal agent wore a thong. I don't know why that... Uh, it got me. got me giggly. I don't know. <laughs> government issue thong. Comes with a government cheese. Government cheese, government thong. Don't put them together because, ew. That's just gross. So Jason's dead before... The credits roll. And I have to say, the makeup in this one, I don't know what it is. His head looks like a gummy bear. I know, and they're trying to age it. And, of course, we don't know how we got here from the last movie. They just skip over that completely. Because when we last saw Jason, he turned somehow back into a little boy and was melted by the toxic waste that floods the city of Manhattan's sewer system every night at midnight, like we all know truly happens. Uh Uh-huh. Which, by the way, I realized the other day... Because when I was showing my cousins around, I'm like, this is where... I wasn't going to show them because they don't care about horror movies. I know when we're related. What? They're on my mother's side, so whatever. This is the manhole cover where they came up. The first time... I mean, this is where they this is where they entered Manhattan for the first time. This is where they came up from the subway tunnels right here. And it's pretty much the same area where Jason died because they shot everything on Times Square on the same corner. And I said, if you look directly to the right, there's a neon-lit-up police station. You cannot miss it. They didn't shoot it in the movie, but it's right there, and it's always been there. I'm like, had they just gone over that way, maybe, and forget it. You know what? We're not talking about that movie. We're done with it. That is such a stupid, stupid movie. But I'm on board so far. I'm good. Great. But anyway, the movie, I think his makeup looks terrible. He's got hair again now. I'm like, when did that happen? Okay, whatever. So we just jumped over that. Fine. Whatever gets the story rolling... It's Friday the 13th. Who cares? Who cares at this point? He's been reanimated by electricity three times now. Well, no, twice by re- electricity and once by telekinesis. So you know what? Who cares? He just is there. He's just there and he's fine. And somehow he got back to Crystal Lake. Great. So now we're getting all the, the news reports and blah, blah. He's finally dead. Hooray, hooray. And they've taken him to a secret government facility in Ohio for some reason to do the autopsy. And the coroner is doing the autopsy, and when he gets the heart, the heart starts beating, and out of nowhere, the man just eats it. And this is where a lot of people are like, why is he eating it? That's so stupid. I'm, like, I'm still with you, because I'm like, this is kind of like Friday the 13th, the series. You know, when the artifacts come, the cursed artifacts come, they will call to the people that need to be called to. So this guy had some kind of voodoo mumbo-jumbo calling to him. Forcing him to eat that gross heart, which apparently made the guy throw up during every take. So, you know, actors suffer for their art, man. They suffer for their art. And when he eats the heart, he becomes possessed by the spirit of Jason. Oh, no. And that introduces body hopping thing. Because now Jason is in the body of this coroner. And he's going around killing everybody, making his way back to Crystal Lake, which as established by the other movies, is in New Jersey. 
So we are to believe that somehow this coroner walked from Ohio to New Jersey without leaving a trail of bodies and without being seen, left a top-secret government facility, got past all the security somehow, and managed to whatever. Okay, that's just bad screenwriting. Why'd you have to move it to Ohio? Just put it in Trenton. At least it's in New Jersey. Whatever. I don't care. I'm not fussy. But I never noticed this before. One of the security guards on detail at the top-secret government facility that is killed is, in fact, Kane Hodder, who's playing Jason. Except he's not playing Jason now because now it's the coroner. So it's like, oh, wow, Jason killed Jason. First of all, that's kind of the smirky humor I don't like. And this sort of thing takes me right out of the movie. However, I was more enraptured by Kane Hodder's amazing, amazing curly mullet. Curly mullet. In the film, I'm... What is that on your head, Kane Hodder? <gasps> I know it's 1989, but there is no excuse for that. I realize that most people at this point would not have recognized you anyway. But you know what? Your mom is like... <sighs> Kane, honey, why did you go out there with that haircut? Why does she sound like my grandmama? I don't know. I don't know. So now we're back in Crystal Lake and everybody's celebrating because Jason's finally dead. Hooray, hooray. Except now it's Crystal Lake again. Because in part six, it's been established that they changed the name to Forest Green. So they could try to move past the history. But now we're back to Camp Crystal Lake, uh, Crystal Lake anyway. Okay, this is only going to strike annoyance in the hearts of nerds to the series, but that's me. And then, we meet our hero, who's John LeMay, who was the cousin who was not Roby on Friday the 13th, the series. And this was dumb casting, because as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, this is going to have something to do with the series. But of course it doesn't. You couldn't find anybody else for this role. And the problem is here, I don't care about him either. You're like a 30-plus something douche. Still wearing your high school jacket from Cunningham High School. Uh, get it? See what we did there? Cunningham, Sean Cunningham. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, my knee is so sore from me slapping it. And the story is pretty much focusing on him. He's our hero. He is having trouble with his ex-wife over the custody of his daughter. And this is where I start to get into my personal problems. Because Friday the 13th has always had a winning formula. Even in the ones that went astray, they somewhat stuck to the formula of this is about kids in the woods partying and getting killed one at a time. And this movie teases us because, uh, whatever his name is, the Friday the 13th series dude, John LeMay, I'm just going to call him that because I don't remember his character's name because I don't care. He picks up three hitchhikers who are celebrating the death of Jason by going to camp out at Camp Crystal Lake for the night because it'll be safe now, right? Okay, great. And I just said, that's interesting that the sign for Camp Crystal Lake is still there because it was Camp Forest Green. Why isn't it a sign for that? You know what? Blah. Blah. Sloppy, sloppy production work. 
I know you think we're dumb. I'm just annoying me now. And here I thought, okay, this is good, but this is just a little taste. They're kind of saying, hey, remember when we used to do this? This is all we're doing it, so just enjoy it. Now, here's the thing, though. When I saw this in the theaters, it was heavily, heavily edited. I did not know that at the time. So the murders that ensue here at the camp of these three hitchhikers were very, very tame. Sexually explicit. There was lots of uh, the two campers were rolling around nude on each other in the tent while the other one, I guess, just got to listen. Like this whole scenario didn't set up. I'm like, okay, so we got the dating couple going and what? who are you? Why are you coming along? Pretty girl alone? I guess she likes to listen to her friends. Was it like a three-way? I don't know what. What I thought was gross. I don't even think they have names, but like the blonde, there's a, there's a redhead, strawberry blonde girl, there's a brunette girl, and there's the dude. And the brunette girl says to the strawberry blonde girl, hey, do you mind if we use the camp for a few, the tent for a few minutes, just to be alone? And she's like, oh no, you can have it for the night. Like, so what, you were going to go in there and sleep in their, in their sex gunk? After this was all over? Gross. What kind of relationship is this? And during this five minute scene, we're treated to not one, but two Girls peeing in the woods sequences because I... Uh, pet peeve! Why does every horror movie have to feature some close-up of somebody going to the bathroom crying them graphically? I don't get it. I realize, I realize, like I say this every time, that's when you're most vulnerable. I get it. But, you know, when I see Bradley Cooper taking a dump, making a Bradley Pooper... <laughs> <laughs> in the palace of Queen Elizabeth or something in some movie, then I will be okay with it. But why is it always in my movies? It's so tacky. And the thing is, the two girls pee in the same place. And when the second girl goes over there to pee in her little bare feet, I'm like, ew, you're stepping at the other girl's pee, and she's dead right behind you, by the way. Because Corona guy shows up and kills them all. Now, the most famous of the two kills, like he cuts the one girl's up face like with a tent peg or something. Strawberry blonde girl. And then he goes to the girl and guy in the tent. What, Bradford? Okay, apparently Bradford thinks I said something hideously racist. I don't recall saying anything. I'm not going back and changing anything right now. So if by all means you catch something racist, please call on the show and yell at me. Where was I? Oh, yeah, so when the girl finally gets killed, on top of the boy, nude, riding around, throwing away their condom like bad people. You know, Jason has to come... Well, not Jason. The coroner has to come in and teach them a lesson about sour sex. And he impales her with, I guess, a ten peg. Again, some kind of spiky pole thing through her abdomen while she's riding him. And the guy's like, ah, ah, ah. That was where it ended. In the theatrical cut. So I was like, oh, and that happened, oh, and then I had calmed down, and then I had no idea I was watching an unrated version, because then when he actually does what he does and splits her in half, straight up, I was like, holy shit! Because ah! that was one of the problems with the theatrical cut, is that it was boring. It was very, very boring when it came to kills. And there were several other kills that were severely, severely edited. So now I'm awake. But unfortunately, this is the only time we get to see some dead teenagers. Instead, we think, they thought, we were going to be entertained by the marital problems of 30-something douches. I don't care.
I don't care about you. I don't care about your ex-wife. I don't care about your baby. Because this is when the bullshit starts flowing. Because it's around here that we're introduced to the character of Creighton Duke. Which would be a fantastic character in a different movie. He's a bounty hunter. He's after Jason because for some reason he knows that Jason isn't dead. Y'all are just fooling yourself. It's just going to be a matter of time. And he knows all the black magic mumbo jumbo that we've never heard a word of before. So he's the only source of exposition. So blah, 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 blah. He's creepy young exposition dude. And sacrificial black character. But, you know, we'll get to that later. But uh, this is where the movie falls apart. I'm not going to explain everything. Because you know it already. You've seen this movie. I know you have. But here's where it all falls apart for me. Because we introduced the worm. Now, I thought it was cool when this evil spirit was body jumping and you saw the giant worm getting passed down and sliding down people's throats. That was gross. It was sliding around the floor, crawling up Aaron Gray's from Buck Rogers' dead hooch. That was tacky. I'm on board with that. Well, not the hooch part, but, you know, that was fine. Okay, they stole it from the movie The Hidden with Kyle McLaughlin. That's fine. Trying to add something new. But then it started to dawn on me when the when the backstory got deeper. Now only by by Voorhees was he born, and only by Voorhees can he be killed. As Creighton Duke keeps saying, like it's from an ancient text. So this has all been prophesized somehow. Okay. So a couple of things happen here. First of all, I realized on a recent viewing, not this one, that this is when New Line tried to kind of hammer the backstory from Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, into the Jason story, merging the two mass killers that they own into one thing, like in Freddy's Dead. The evil spirits decided that Freddy Krueger was so evil they were going to grant him eternal life and infested him with devil worms. Devil wombs? Devil womb. That's a movie right there. Ew. Devil womb. Sorry, I just completely knocked myself off my train of thought. Ew. Ew. I'm just picturing the poster art. Ew. You know there's a movie out coming out calling, called uh, there's a movie coming out called Alien Tampon? I'm not kidding. And it's not from Dustin Mills. Classy. Anyway. So now we have the worm that's keeping Jason alive by jumping bodies. And I said, okay, and then it's just like Freddy's dead. He could only be killed by his last remaining survivor. And just like this, he could only be killed by his last remaining survivor. And here's the thing. This is when you took Jason from a horror movie and also Freddy from a horror movie legend to an inefficient serial killer, just like Michael Myers. Because, as they introduced in Halloween 2, when, oh my god, Jamie Lee Curtis is his sister, he became inefficient because he shows up. Every time he shows up, he kills every other person in town except the one person he's after. Dozens, scores of people dead because he was trying to get to this one bitch and couldn't get her. Now, Jason's like that. No. No, he's not. And then you're throwing in the freaking... Book of the Dead from the Evil Dead in the big gigantic Voorhees house? Come on. 
Come on, come on, come on. All right, this is also now like Halloween 6. Now there's a cult, there's, there's a worship. What are you doing? Keep it simple, stupid. You've gotten too complicated. And this is where it all just fell apart for me. We got so bogged down in this crap and forgot what we're here to do, chop people up and have some suspense and good times. And it went bongo. And I also thought they missed an opportunity. You could have had it at crazy camp with crazy camp counselors or whatever, what have you, and had this body jumping going on, had you not known at all times who had the evil worm in them. They didn't really use that here at all. They did a little bit towards the end, but by that point, I just wanted it to be over because this movie's really long. It's really long. And also, they killed the girl from Kane Alley. First, he killed Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers, who was an early crush, even though I grew up gay, because she was fabulous, and I loved her for an entirely different reason. I was like, I just want your outfit, even though it's silver and metallic, actually, especially because it's silver and metallic. They kill her off, they waste her, and by the way, she was looking fabulous still, and love that, but then they kill off the girl from Canali, who was a little waitress who was protecting the girl, a little strawberry blonde. Her death also got extremely cut in the version that I saw. You didn't see it come through the back of that second pull. It was just one stab, and this is a double stab, but you know what? I don't care, because like, she's just so bored because they've already set up this all these other people are meat it's just going to be killing everybody to get to the mom who's protecting the baby daughter blah 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 we have a final dude who's doing all the fighting but we know he's not the final dude because she has to deliver the killing blow with the magic knife that somehow turns into the voodoo stick whatever what is going on too much way too much. Simplify. Simplify. Streamline. Streamline. Shave it down. And that leads me to what everybody loves, the biggest what-the-fuck scene possibly in horror history, definitely in the series, is when the coroner needs to jump bodies because his body has been damaged or whatever. He's jumping over to the sheriff or the deputy's body. I don't remember. Whatever. It's a law enforcement person. And instead of killing him, he kills his girlfriend, kidnaps him, straps him to a chair in this fucking saw basement that where, who, whose house was this? I'm assuming it was the Voorhees house, because apparently that was a house of hearts, whatever, whatever, and, and has the poor cop butt-ass naked to lather him up and shave his mustache off. And then jump into the body. It makes no sense! What was this about? The director's like, well, I just thought horror movies needed more male nudity. First of all, I didn't see anything. Second of all... Why? Oh, maybe he didn't want a mustache. He already had a mustache! The coroner had a mustache! What? The fuck? And then they kiss. So the worm can jump. This is really... Not sexy. I, as you know, I, no, just no. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. And also the big hunt. Because the police think that John LeMay is the killer for some reason. Maybe because he discovers Aaron Gray dead. And when the police, after he handles her body, he has no blood on him. But when he runs outside to talk to the police, he's covered in blood. Because that's the kind of movie this is. And I just don't like it. By the time it was over, I was just bored. And then when the fucking puppets come out, the puppet hands come out at the end to drag him to hell. Terrible special effects. Awful, awful, awful. And of course, Freddy pops out at the end, his little claws to drag the mask down, and I don't care. I don't care. Because in the next movie, we don't follow this train of thought at all anyway. 
which I also don't mind. He just comes back fine. Good. But don't tell me it's the final Friday, and then it's not the final Friday, and then when you bring it back, you don't tell me why it's not the final Friday. I don't like this movie. Just give me teenagers in the woods getting topless, smoking dope, and getting cut the fuck up. That's what this series has always been about. That's the heart of it. You take it away and make it more whatever. It doesn't work. I realize you were trying to tie your big mega money franchises together, but you just fucked it up, New Line. You fucked it the fuck up. I don't know why you thought it was a good idea with the worms. It was a terrible idea, and Freddy's dead. Terrible. Terrible special effects. Almost as bad as it is here. At least there was no cooch in that. But, you know, still. Inefficient. Don't give Jason a goddamn motive. He hasn't had one for ten years. I'm going to throw this crap in on the end. I did have a glimmer of excitement, though. Because when the opening credits were rolling, I saw, and the cast was Leslie Jordan. I said, no, it can't be that Leslie Jordan. I would remember if Leslie Jordan was in this. I love Leslie Jordan, but it was that Leslie Jordan. Who the fuck is Leslie Jordan, you ask? Well, a lot of you will know Leslie Jordan as um, Karen's 4'11 nemesis on Will and Grace. I forget what his name was. Leslie Bradley. I don't remember, but yeah. Others of you will remember him from season three of American Horror Story, Coven. He was on, I forget what, he was on The Elders. I don't know what the fuck it was. He was trying Jessica Lange for something and then got poisoned and died. Whatever! In the past. You'll know him from that. I know him and love him from Sorted Lives, the movie, and also the series where he played Brother Boy, who was incarcerated in asylum for most of his adult life because he liked to portray, he liked to dress up like Tammy Wynette. And in the right light, he would look like her in the younger years. But it was him. He was one of the chefs at the diner. And I said, give him more to do. He's a funny little gay person. I didn't give him much to do. He ogled the baby for a while. I think they changed his name 14 times. Apparently, all of his dialogue and the cooks, the, the woman who ran the place, it was all improvised, which is why it doesn't make any sense. But you know what? Good Good for you. And then he gets killed. Gets his face pushed into the fryer. But before he does, he looks at fake Jason right in the face and says, Do you see my pussy now? <laughs> if only. That's my favorite line from Sorted Lives. And if they, you know, I was tempted to talk about Sorted Lives for an hour. Because it would have been more entertaining. But I didn't. Duty overwhelmed me. I couldn't do that to you. I met Leslie Jordan. He did a one-man show called My Life on the Pink Carpet about being gay in Hollywood. And it's available on Netflix. Or it was. It's not as good as it was live because they didn't get the, the rights to the disco music that was very important to his coming out tales. So he's there talking about feeling the waves and the music and it was just washing over you. And when it was I Will Survive, you totally got it. When it's some weird kind of music on a Casio, it's just wasn't the same, but it's still worth a watch because he's a very, very talented and very funny man with a very, very unique story. So go check that out instead of this fucking movie, My Life on the Pink Carpet. I tried to get in touch with Leslie Jordan because I know a lot of people know him. I wanted to get him on the show, but he was just like, oh, no, no, I don't think I want to talk about that at all. And what's really nice, when I, he has a book by the same name, My Life on the Pink Carpet, and I bought it there that night because I was drunk off my ass. And 
when he found out that Bradford was from the South and we were both big Sorted Lives fans, he took the book and said, oh, all right, I'm going to sign it again, but don't tell anybody about it. I know he's done this for everybody who's seen Sorted Lives, but underneath the book flap, underneath the jacket hidden, he's just written, can you see my pussy now? And I can, and it's beautiful, and I love it, Leslie Jordan. I love it much more than I did Jason Goes to Hell. Now, I know I didn't like Friday the 13th Part 8, but at least it kept the core. That was sloppy production. Bad idea. Cheap. You tried to cheap at it out, and it didn't work. You didn't have a story. You didn't have a femme fatale, or final girl, I should say. That was worth watching. Part 6, I thought, was dull as well. But at least, again, the core was there. And now you just went into Alien Town, or I should say the trailer park, and I just couldn't care less. I don't care about your mythology. I don't care about the gigantic Vori's house. And by the way, when did Jason have a sister? When did that happen? Because I seem to recall Mrs. Vori's saying, my only child, when Jason had drowned. She didn't say my only boy. She said my only child. So now he's got a sister. What the fuck ever? I don't care. Your movie stinks. You fucked it up, New Line. You had one job, New Line Cinemas, and you fucked it the fuck up. And then you're going to be back in a few more years to fuck it up again. But at least this time in space and with teenagers. So at least we're sort of back on board. But we're not talking about that right now because this has brought an end. This is the end of the Friday the 13th Spectacular. <laughs> Now who's to judge, who's a saint, and who's a sinner? Lord, it's tough enough to trudge from brunch to dinner. We seek the light of truth between our white lies. We sleep away our youth under tattletale skies. Jason goes to hell on the next show. 
Um, what a ridiculous piece of crap that show, that movie is. Um, I like the whole entry, the beginning of it's kind of cool. You know, naked chick running out, chased, getting chased by uber crazy ass Jason, just blowing the bits, the whole body swapping thing, that's kind of cool, but it just kind of really shifts the bed. The whole fact that it has to be, he has to, like, it, there's a, the, here's a sibling, what the fuck, or a relative, like, what? Huh? Like, I don't remember, this is actually the first Friday the 13th film I saw when I was a kid. We rented on tape, on VHS when it came out. Um, me and a bunch of people, I, friends I was friends with at the time when I was a meat child. Uh, and we were completely flabbergasted. Like, this is what everybody, like, our older, like, the older people in our families have been talking about all these years. And this is the first one we saw. When I finally got to see the first two, I was, you know, like, wow, these are great fucking films. And it's just like, that, but it's like, it never left me, it left me with a bitter taste in my mouth until I got to see the first one. But holy fucking shit, what a disappointment. Um, for the we all me when it first came, when that first came out of VHS. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's Uber Jason, like, I never, I like, now that you look at it, I don't like Kane Hodder as Jason, I think he's too bulky, I think he's too geekly. Yeah, even in, like, Jason X, I think he's just, like, too fucking much, you know, and the fact that he whines and bitches and moans that he was not involved in Freddy vs. Jason, you know, uh, whatever, the fucking gloved hand wearing, gloved hand wearing weirdo anyway, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a piece of garbage. Like, Sean S. Cunningham was just like, yeah, let me get in there again. I'll rape this corpse one more fucking time. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, it's a piece of shit. I can't wait to hear you rip it the fuck apart. It's even worse than that fucking one with the psychic one, which was the last one, right? There's certain parts of that film where it's like, okay, cool. Carrie versus Jason. I can, I can live with that. You know? But it, I, I don't know. After like six, those films just go to shit. And even six is kind of like, eh, I like six a lot, so I want to say. But after six, they go really down to shit until like you get back to like Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Even the end of that movie sucks. Like I like the whole idea with the Necronomicon and the heart and all that stuff. But all of that's like, just, oh, we just fucking shit out of the fucking air and put it there. Oh, yeah, we'll do this. We'll do that. We'll fucking do this. Yeah, we did. Crap. Fucker. Who cares? Just keep fucking throwing shit at the wall. We'll we'll make we'll make it up as we go along. Just uh just disappointment. Anyway, keep up the good work, uh Patrick. Vaughn, you're the most beautiful but ugly son of a bitch I have ever known in my whole life. And I think after listening to this show, you know, I agree with you on everything you said. There's a truck going by. Shut up, I'm talking to Vaughn, fuck face. Hey, Christ. Anyway, yeah. I was with it. I had no problem with the body swapping. No problem with Minimal Jason. It was just, like you said, they were just pulling shit out of the air and expecting us to go along with it, and I got bored. And you are correct, sir. I'm not going to knock Kane Honda's Jason. I don't know what makes one Jason better than another Jason. It's not that demanding the role. I mean, I'm sure it is physically, but I, I, it, it, if you told me that there were different people in different movies back in the day, I wouldn't have known or particularly cared. I don't know how Kane became the celebrity, Jason, out of all of them, but hey, good for him. Good for him. And thank you for calling, Vaughn. You are the tits. Now, before I move on to the next call, 
Case bits of problems with the voicemail. Uh, Edward from Phoenix. I've gotten your calls. They're all a minute long. I think I know what's the matter. I think Brad fixed it this morning. So those of you who call and get cut off after a minute, please let me know so we can fix what's wrong with the voicemail. I think there's two numbers happening, and everybody's getting confused. One of them has an, an intro. Sometimes it was going to my, reg, my real voicemail and not to the show voice. I don't know what was happening. But anyway, relax. The other thing that I'm very disappointed about is that it's been so long since I asked for voicemails about this movie. I can't find them anymore. I know I had at least five, and now I can only find two. So if you called in a voicemail, and I'm not playing it right now, not right now, but to, on this show, I truly apologize. But that's what happens when I leave things unattended for a month, and it was my fault. I had too much going on in November. In, in November? Yeah, I had too much going on in November, but also in February. So my apologies. If you called in, let me know. Write in, tweet me, yell at me, smack me in the face. But hold on. I still got another call. Hello, Patrick. It's Tom DJ from Better in the Dark Laboratories. How are you doing? You uh, sent out your siren call for people to comment on uh, Friday the 13th, Jason Goes to Hell, and I have answered it. It's actually my favorite of the Friday the 13th films because it's so fucking bug-fucking-sane. I mean, this, this film was made by people who didn't know what the hell they were doing and I loved it for that and as far as I'm concerned it's not the couple that's the main characters that crazy ass motherfucker played by uh, Stephen Williams my god the dude breaks his own fingers my god I mean what is up with that he breaks people's fingers he's he's, he's babbling on I mean the film makes no sense whatsoever you got the body jumping little squirrel worm creature you got the the, the, the crazy diner with the Jason burgers. You got some really disgusting gore. I mean, and you know, you have the the guy who was the boss on uh, Herman's head eating a human heart. Uh, it's it's just so bug fucking insane, and I love it for it. That's what I love about that movie. But anyway, I know you say it's really bad, so I, I will uh, be listening, as I always do, because I love your show. You know that. I'll talk to you later. Peace. Tom, thank you so much for calling in. It was very cool to hear from you. And it's also very good that since I only have two voicemails, they're completely opposite opinions of the same movie, both of which are completely valid takes. So I'm right there with you. But Tom, I do have something out of, to get out of the way first, because you are a first-time caller! If you're not, oh, well, you just got it anyway. It's been five years. I can't keep track of who calls in all the time. Come on, what do I look like, a machine? I look like a Greek god. That's what I look like. Not one of the cool ones, one of the lame ones. I don't know. Laryngitis. I don't know. <laughs> you're right. The movie is absolutely batshit. And if you're watching it for that, yeah, I can see it being a lot of fun. I can see watching it with you being a lot of fun. And the other thing I have to apologize for, I'm having headphone problems. So normally, first-time listeners, I'd be responding and you'd hear me laughing over the voicemails or whatnot. But let me tell you, Tom, I was laughing all through your call in the best way possible because you're absolutely right. It makes zero sense. It's mumbo-jumbo of the highest degree. And the only thing I have to blame it is that it's like the tail end of the 80s, so I'm just sensing lots of cocaine flowing in the production offices of 
New Line Cinemas for this movie. Allegedly, I'm not. I'm just. It's just. It's just a vibe that I'm getting because it's just like, yeah, and then we're gonna do that. Uh, and wait, 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 wait. And then he's gonna break his fingers. Yeah, yeah. I'm breaking my fingers right now, and I don't feel anything. I must be able to kill Jason. Do yeah, 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 yeah. Poop monsters. That's all his movie needed was a poop monster. And on that charming note, thank you, Tom, for calling it. And you should check out his podcast, Better in the Dark, is a lot of fun. Him and his hosts are very charming. They talk about a wide range of movies and things. And they rap. They straight up rap. Because they are from Brooklyn into house. That was butcher in my head when I said that. So there is a message that I want to take a look at very quickly. And that is from listener Josh who left me a note on the Scream Queens podcast page on Facebook, and he said, Hey, Patrick, so I just subscribed to your show, and I'm so glad we have an LGBT horror podcast, because I love horror, and I think there is more LGBT horror podcasts, but I like your show. Okay, cool. Thank you, Josh. And if there are other ones, please let me know. I know of others that have gay hosts, but not specifically catered gay audience, but if they exist, I would love to know who my fucking competition is so I can annihilate them. I mean, invite them into the family. Annihilate them. You haven't met what I do. You haven't seen what I do to my family is what I'm trying to say. And the thing is, I've been talking to Josh, and he sent me a really cool logo thing for the show. And I like it. I like it a lot, Josh. It's very cool. I have to see if it's going to fit the iTunes parameters and look good in a thumbnail format on iTunes because I did show it to some of my podcast mentors and they're a little afraid that in small print it looks like something children-y because there's lots of colors in the handprint, like finger paint. But I'm going to see what other people think because that was just one person's opinion and my opinion trumps everybody's. I am like Rue fucking Paul but shorter and other differences than not having duct tape on my genitals. Did just get weird? Of course it got weird. It's Scream Queens, the podcast where everything gets weird all the time. So, if you want to be like Josh and Vaughn and Thomas and contact me at the show, by all means, please do. Uh, give me a call at 917-720-2047. And if you have another number for the voicemail stored in your phone or communication device, please delete it. That is an old number. Please, it does not work properly. That's why we're having trouble. People are calling this old number or getting forwarded to it, whatever. That is the number you should be calling from now on. Update your Rolodex, Mabel. Or if you want to be like Josh. Actually, no. Or if you want to, Josh did not send me an email, but if you do want to send an email, that's crew at screamqueens.com. And as always, that's Queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook, like Josh, by doing a search on Scream Queens Horror Podcast and joining in the fun there. You can follow me on Twitter at Scream Queens. You can listen to me on iTunes, because you know this already. You can listen to me on Stitcher, recommend me to a friend, and by all means, head on over to www.podcastawards and vote for me for the show. And for yourselves. Once a day, every day, until I think March 24th. Because that would be cool. And it's nice to see so many people responding that I don't know. Like, I just see it bouncing around on Twitter. I'm like, I don't know who you are. That's cool. I have outreach, y'all. I have outreach. And, of course, if you want to hear my audiobook, please go over and purchase it at Amazon. And that would be Maryland by Patricia Snodgrass, read by Patrick K. Walsh. If you do any combination of a search on that, you should be able to do it. I'll be putting up a link soon when I set up my Amazon store. You can also get it at Audacity. 
Uh, not Audacity. I'm sorry. Uh, Audible. So many things start with A. Like the asshole that you're being right now, Patrick. But yes. Again, I haven't listened to it yet. There might be some mistakes, but by all means, check it out anyway. Help support the show that way. And if you don't want to do that, go over to iTunes, leave a review, leave one on Stitcher. Tell me what I'm doing right, tell me what I'm doing wrong, and help spread the word of the legend of this thing that I call my show. I just ran out of steam, and it is time to wrap this puppy up for another week. So, next time, are you boys and girls out there ready for a treat? I hope so, because I have two guests coming back. Yes, yes, they cause quite a stir. Last time I was here, I'm talking about my friend Owen and his friend Tom, and we're going to be reviewing another made-for-TV horror movie from the 70s, vintage TV horror. What? Ah, ah. We're going to be watching Cruise into Terror. All I remember is Stella Stevens being diaphanous a lot, and there's a sarcophagus that has the devil in it, and it breathes. Okay, it's going to be camp classic city. So it's available on I, uh, not on iTunes, but on YouTube. Do search for Cruise into Terror. Play along at home. And get your calls in and, and your, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, your emails in. And we'll have tons of fun at sea. All my screamers and me. It'll be like a jamboree when we're dancing in the sea. Don't dance in the sea. That You're just going to get crabs biting your toes. You know what? I'm done. I'm done. So, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, I don't know why you're always going on about Crystal Lake. Crystal Lake this. Crystal Lake that. Honestly, Crystal Lake was the worst stripper I ever did see. She practically ruined your seventh birthday party. Bye. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs>
well, I don't like to rush into things. And in my own defense, you did say I have a severe case of homosexuality. But if you love him, you'll forgive him. Even though he's hard to understand. My country queens, Kitty and Loretta and Tammy came along. Lord, I felt like I had found my soulmate. I followed her rise all the way to the top. She had such a rough life. Oh, mm. illness after illness and financial woes. George Jones was a drunk. Locked up here with a bunch of loony dudes like I'm crazy. Tammy Wynette gets me through life, Dr. Eve, and now you're trying to take her precious, precious, precious memory away from me. I just, I don't think I can take it. Do you have any Mylanta? Fuck me, Earl. Fuck oh, me now! My God, Dr. Ray, you don't have on any pants! I know, now take yours off and fuck me, Earl. Fuck me. No, I can't, I can't, because I'm, I'm, I'm about to throw up. I throw up all over you. I had enchiladas for lunch. Oh! oh. Do you hear me? Nothing. If I am stuck in this shithole for the rest of my life, then I am not participating in my own recovery. And you can't make me. And you want to know my opinion? I think you're nothing but a flat-out evil, bitter, mean, old, alcoholic, sex fiend. Needs a lifetime of therapy herself. I'm in therapy, you little faggot! Well, it ain't a-working! Now, if you'll please excuse me, I got a show to do. Shoot her, Wardell. Shoot her in the head. I'll need
Well, I guess you didn't think I was going to make it, did you, Mama? <laughs>